I think if you play football at a high level, you're probably a little bit crazy because, you know, if you ask a random person on the street, <laughs> would you run at another grown man? You're 250 <laughs> pounds or 300 pounds. He's running uh, 17 miles per hour and you're running 20 miles per hour. Would you do that repeatedly? <laughs> would you do that 50 times a game? And most of them would tell you no, like you're crazy, yeah. but that's what we do. Joshua Perry is six foot four and 255 pounds. And up until July of last year, he was an NFL linebacker. At 24 years old, just after two years into his pro career, he announced during preseason that he was going to be retiring. That's the kind of decision that would shock a lot of football fans. But to Joshua, it's more shocking that people like him don't walk away. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Playing football, well, obviously hurts. It's so much a part of the game that in 2016, Sports Illustrated ran this glamorous cover story about all the various ways that players cope. They cheekily called it, you think your Mondays suck? Some quotes stuck with me, like this one from Marquise Lee. He said, everyone's hurting, and you don't feel normal until after the season. But when we think about football, that's kind of a back-of-mind thought for most of us. We see and read about concussions and big injuries, sure, but the everyday physical toll is staggering. I had the separated shoulder injury. I've had countless knee injuries. I've had bone bruises on both knees. I've got a a mangled finger right now. I've had wrist injuries. A plenty. Well, I had just, you know, a couple of surgeries. They weren't very big at all. Um, nothing where I had to spend the night at the hospital. Um, so for NFL players, that's just the job. Every time a football player steps onto the field for either a matchup or a practice, they're putting themselves at serious risk. So why? Well, Joshua says that he was built for it. I started playing football in the fourth grade when my family moved to central Ohio. And so football for me was actually a way to... Uh, meet friends and kind of experience a new community and being an elementary schooler it's always tough kind of meeting people and you know kids don't kind of you know have that skill set yet to really reach out and kind of find common ground and so I think sports was one of the ways Um, and then it was something I enjoyed doing it was something I got pretty good at. Why football and not soccer or hockey or anything else? Well because I was a bigger kid and so it just made sense. Mm Mm-hmm. What I loved most was that I was faster than almost everybody I was playing with, so I was just really good at it. Like, I'm being completely honest there. Um, yeah, I can. I know exactly what you mean. When I was in high school, I hit my growth spurt really, really early. So when I was playing basketball with my friends, I had like a good foot advantage on all of them. And so it was just a huge confidence booster for me, especially going into this environment where I wanted people's respect. And basketball was one of the ways that I got that. Is that how you kind of feel about football? Yeah. And it's really interesting that you say that, like part of it is respect. And I think a lot of 
um, when somebody doesn't know you, like you're the new kid on the team, as I was, like part of the respect that you earn from your peers is how good you are. As you know, uh, as you go through junior high and high school, you earn clout basically through being good at sports. Yeah, but you didn't start in high school or junior high. I've read somewhere that you started when you were nine years old. Yeah, and like I think that it's the same thing for nine-year-olds. Like I think more so in high school, but like nine-year-olds are going to judge you based off of how good you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just really weird how uh, just kind of our nature as humans, we will like prejudge people based off of a certain skill set that we think they have before we know what kind of teammate they are, what kind of person they even are. Yeah, no, that, that resonates hard with me. Uh, so can you walk me through your earliest memory of getting hurt while playing sports? Boy, um, the first injury I truly remember was eighth grade. It was like the first one that really kept me out for a long time. Um, I broke my collarbone. We were playing uh, at an away game, and uh, I was running the ball. I got tackled, landed right on my shoulder. Like two guys brought me down right on my shoulder. <sighs> And I felt that initial pain. I didn't realize how severe the injury was. And so I kept playing like the next two series before it was just too much. And I told my coach, I'm like, I can't go anymore. And I hop on the bus. Uh, We take the bus back to the school. I get off and my parents immediately take me to the hospital. And my shoulder is puffy and swollen. Like just that experience right there of initially just trying to push through and not knowing what it was and not being in tune with my body. Um, to go into the hospital and realizing how severe it was was kind of interesting to me. Why is that interesting? Why did you want to keep playing even though you were hurt? Well, it, you know, it's what they, they teach you. There's, you know, it, and they say it to kids at a young age. Like in college, your coach will tell you, or in high school, your coach will tell you, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. But when you say that to somebody who's like 12 or 13 years old, like I don't know what the difference between being hurt and being injured is. And that's something that coaches say to get you to play through pain. And so to me, I'm like, oh, man, like I'm just hurt right now. Let me try to play through this until you realize after taking some more hits, like, no, I'm actually injured. And I think it's that, number one, just not understanding your body well. But number two is the fear of letting your team down because I was the best tool we had on offense I was Mm -hmm. a tackle machine on defense even that young of an age Um, and I just knew that my team was not going to have a very good chance to win the game if I went out Um, so just again that mentality of team before self it kind of gets you caught up sometimes yeah uh, why you're saying that I'm remembering all the times on the playground that I've heard no pain no gain or no blood no foul I I feel like pain is part of the game so for me it's really hard to parse wanting to protect yourself and take your health seriously when at the same time you're in a way conditioning yourself to work through pain to to not feel the pain and in a way put the team on your back and it's interesting when you talk about like conditioning yourself to work through the pain because I can just remember times in high school and in college like the actual strength and conditioning aspect where it's like they'll push you to the brink and you're over there killed over your legs feel like they're about to explode you can't hardly breathe and then they just make you do more reps to like train your mind And I know that's different because um, in that instance you're not hurt you're not necessarily in danger it's just your mind is like there's just so much sensory overload going on that you you feel like you can't go anymore but you can but where that becomes dangerous is when you're in the heat of the moment playing the game your adrenaline's up you've got endorphins going and then you actually do get hurt Countless times I've seen it happen, but after the game, a guy realizes 
he fractured his wrist mm. or, uh, you know, like you go and get an MRI after the game and you have a lacerated kidney. You just thought, you know, you got hit in the gut really hard. And it's just stuff like that. Broken ribs I've had before. You just play through. You don't realize until after the game where you can't hardly breathe uh, without hurting that you're in as much pain as you're actually in. Wait, you, you broke your ribs and played through? Yeah, I had um, fractured ribs in college, and it's one of those injuries where it's not going to heal very easily anyway. So that's an easy one to say, I'm just going to play through it. Yeah, so when I I played football in high school, obviously not at the same level that you're playing at. Our coaches were trying to train us to tackle. I have a very strong, vivid memory where a coach got really upset at me because I I maybe was holding back a little bit when I was – throwing myself at the pylon. I put my arms to the ground so I can catch myself. And he got really pissed. He was like, yo, Eamon, stop doing that. Wrap around, swing around, like focus on the pylon, focus on the tackle. And my instinct was trying to catch my fall so I, so I don't fall as hard. And that really pissed him off. I, I wonder if there's anything specific about the way football is played that maybe conditioned you to not put your safety first. It's always funny, like, now that you say that, people, football people will try to convince you, and I think part of it's true and part of it's, like, uh, an over-exaggeration to get guys to let loose a little bit more, but, you know, if you if you play the game tiptoeing, you're more likely to get hurt, and I understand that, but at the same time, like, I'm a firm believer that part of the reason why um, certain injuries exist in football, and not the only reason why, but part of the reason why they exist is because um, kids are reckless or, you know, whatever it is, teenagers, grown men playing football are reckless a lot of times. And it's not the initial hit where you tackle somebody and you make that initial contact body to body that is the hit that does it. It might be the one where you make that initial contact and then you fall awkwardly on the ground. Mm. That might give you the concussion. That might, you know, make you sprain your ankle. That might make you dislocate your elbow whatever it is. Um, And I feel like for me, when I talk about kids playing football, when I talk about uh, my future children, if they ever wanted to play football, the first thing I would do is put them in a a gymnastics or tumbling class because Mm -hmm. they would learn how to fall properly and they would learn how to control their core and they would learn fine motor skills that would help them transition into being more graceful athletes. And again, like the proper method of tackling that we've started to learn is what they use in rugby and Australian rules where they don't wear all the same padding. They put their head behind instead of their head in front. They wrap the legs and they roll. And uh, by doing that, you actually can protect your body in ways you keep your head out of the tackle. Mm. And it's a more, actually a more effective tackling method. Um, But you know, the old school, like you're talking about, they would put up a bag, they would have you run to the bag, like head on, not even Mm. taking an angle or anything just straight up put your face on it, wrap your arms around it, drive your legs, and then like pummel it into the ground. And just like doing the research, that's a hard hit, but it's just, it's not a safe hit and it's not necessarily an effective hit either. So I think reworking that framework of how we teach contact and then also how we teach kids to go to the ground, I think that would make for a safer game. Yeah, the the latter way you described how to tackle was exactly the education that I got <laughs> when I was playing football. Uh, I had a coach who specifically told me to use my my helmet as a weapon. He yeah. pointed at the the guy holding the ball and said, "Look, you see where the the, the hands are wrapped around the ball? That's where your head goes." He yep. was trying to get and, me to knock the ball loose to get like a fumble. 
so typical. It's exactly what you hear. You you know, put your face on the ball, which if you're in a what we call a phone booth, so you have a running back head on and you're a tackler, uh, from the head-on position, it's not necessarily as dangerous because your neck is is strong when it's going head-on. If your head is up, if your eyes are up, then your neck is technically strong. It's not so dangerous. If your head is down, it's game over. You can literally paralyze yourself. I'm wondering how that mentality translates off the field, right? You're on the field. You're you're being taught to use your body as a weapon, to be a little bit more reckless and sacrifice your body for the team to make that tackle. How does that translate off the field? How, how does that mentality influence you to handle your own health? It hardens you emotionally. So instead of being in tune with your emotions, instead of being able to have some deep, hard conversations about things that you're feeling, you tend to wrap that up because like, you want to be the best guy on the team. You want to have the most rushing stats, etc. Well, now off the field, it's like I'm the man on the field, so I need to be the man off the field. So, like, you know, I want to see how much I can get away with in class. Like, I want to see how much I don't have to turn in my homework. Like, I want to see how many girls I can try to get with type deal. But also, like, you'll completely ignore things. Like, you will you will ignore your conscience telling you that you need to take care of yourself a little bit better. And I feel like that is one of the worst places to be in. Opening up sounds like a tall order especially for someone who spent much of their life projecting this version of themselves that was like big man on campus, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you have to learn how to open up, though. I mean, if, if anybody out here has watched The Sopranos, like Tony Soprano going to his therapist is what a lot of guys are like. You know, you go through the, the mood swings, you feel like you're crazy, you want to lash out at times, uh, you don't want to open up, but you can go to a therapist and nobody has to know that you're talking to a shrink. And so you can be as fragile and delicate and open and emotional as you want to be. And then if you want to be hard around your friends, you can be hard around your friends. But at least you have whatever it is, the one or two hours a week as an outlet for somebody to hear what you're going through and then to be able to counsel you through it. Yeah. So obviously, I want to talk to you about the big fact and that you retired at 24 after just two years of being in the pros. So I read that it was because of the concussions that you suffered. You suffered six concussions. Can you first talk to me about what happened during your first concussion in the NFL? What was it like? What do you remember? Um, Yep. So the first concussion I, I suffered in my football career documented was in high school. And it was a play where um, I was going to tackle a guy and he fell like right on top of me as I was tackling him. And my my helmet accelerated into the turf um, and I was like out of it, dazed and confused. And we had a uh, an athletic trainer on the sideline. He was qualified and trained to be able to spot concussions, etc. So pulled me out. I think that might have been my sophomore year in high school. I had another one my junior season Wait, in high before school. That, before that, you said documented. What does that mean exactly? Oh, yeah. So for people who don't know, like there's the concussions that are documented. Like I said, this guy was qualified to diagnose a concussion to spot it on the field. But I mean, all those years when I was in uh, Little League where they didn't have an athletic training staff out there all the time that I was in middle school where they didn't have qualified concussion spotters or really, you know, it wasn't as big of a um, a hot button and issue to talk about. Um, I probably had suffered some concussions like there were the plays where you, quote unquote, get your bell rung. 
and uh, you know you you kind of dust it off a little bit and maybe go off to the sideline, catch your breath, and get a drink of water, and you feel competent enough to go back in the game. Um, there are probably a couple of those situations uh, that happened up until that point, but my first one that was documented on paper was my sophomore year in high school. I think I had another one my junior year. And then freshman, sophomore year of college, I suffered two more concussions in that time span. And then uh, the end of my second preseason in the NFL, I had one coming out of training camp. And then finally in training camp, uh, my uh, third preseason in the NFL was my sixth one. And the conversation really shifted after my – second preseason when I had that fifth concussion I had a conversation with some loved ones about what should I do from here and how should I proceed and any doctor will tell you the risks of playing having had concussions but they'll also tell you that it's your decision if you feel good right now you don't know what it's going to be like down the line it could be good it could be bad they'll tell you um, you have no signs of uh, any lasting issues, your brain scans look fine, etc. And so it, it's up to you to make that choice. For me, after the fifth one, that's when the conversation happened. I had the sixth one. That's when I just knew. Like I had it that day, like the next day I was, or maybe two days after that, I was sitting up with the GM of the Seahawks telling him that I was done playing football. My career was over. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. How would you describe getting a concussion? Like, what is, what is that experience like? I think it was a little bit different every time. I think some of them were uh, more dramatic than others. Like, you, you immediately get hit and you're, like, days confused. Your head hurts automatically. There were other ones where... Um, you get hit and then you go back and play and then you come off to the sideline and you're blanking out from like the last two, three, four plays that just happened. Like you can't remember a thing. Um, And that's when it kind of sets on. But to describe it, it would be mental fog probably was the biggest thing that I experienced. And I'm generally a pretty clear thinker, but mental fog was big for me. The headaches obviously were a thing to be concerned with, but also I think um, my mood and my demeanor would change drastically from being like a pretty 
uh, pretty excitable guy, a very positive outlook to just kind of like dumpy. Like I would feel dumpy when I was concussed, and that's pretty typical um, where people have mood swings. Um, they don't feel very good in terms of their um, their disposition or even some people get angry and aggressive. And I never was aggressive, but like sometimes I would just be angry. Like, you know, somebody asked me a question, I'd be mad. Like, just stop asking me stupid ass questions right now type stuff. So yeah. it's interesting how it shows up and it's different for everybody. And I would say out of, you know, six concussions, I couldn't point to two that were exactly alike. Damn. I mean, I think the way you described it earlier as having your bell rung, I thought that was very graphic. Mm-hmm. Was there any one exact particular moment that you knew that it was time to walk away? Um, I think the moment was just sitting in the hotel room in the dark, just kind of headachey and just a little bit foggy. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, okay, I've done this so many times. Like, how many more times can I realistically do this? Like if it was an ankle, a knee, a shoulder, it would be different because I'm like, man, I'm big and strong. I can work back from this. Mm. You know, I'll I'll lift weights harder. This is preventative. I can do prehab and rehab to make sure this doesn't happen again. And I'm sitting here like, okay, there's no prehab exercises for concussions. Um, Like there's not a thing I can do to strengthen up my brain so it doesn't get hurt again. Like this is, it's almost a hopeless injury to that point like when it gets to that extent you're just sitting there like I don't know what to do like I don't know if I can will myself into sustaining this trauma and then trying to heal it again and I think that's probably one of the hardest things but just sitting there in the dark thinking about that it's like all right it's about that time earlier we were talking about how important respect was for you and this idea of not wanting to let your team down did you feel like you had to work through any of those ideas I feel like the concussion thing for me was always a um, like, damn your respect. I really don't care at this point. I need to take care of my brain. I had earned the respect of my peers at just about every level. I mean, um, when I was in high school, I was a captain. When I was in college, I was a captain. When I was in the NFL, I ended up leading my team in special teams tackles as a rookie. Like I was just earning my stripes kind of guy. But Uh, When it came to my brain health, I was like, I really like, sorry, guys, you're gonna have to go out there and get it without me because, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, if I have any repercussions from these these brain injuries, like none of y'all are going to be sitting by my hospital bed rooting me on and patting me on the back anymore. It's just going to be a memory from the past that's faded. Did anyone tell you not to quit? Um, The the people who I trusted and talked to before that decision uh, it was my mom and dad, my girlfriend, um, and my agent. The only thing that they said is, are you sure? Because they know the type of guy that I am yeah. um, and how much football meant to me. They just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to regret walking away. But nobody said you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Or I guess you look at Twitter and Instagram and there are folks who would be like, you gave up an opportunity of a lifetime or they'll call you soft or uh, you know, they'll say, Um, your career wasn't very good anyway, nobody's going to miss you, et cetera, et cetera. And you can say whatever you want, Um, but that's why you don't trust people like that with decisions that are so important. I keep thinking about Andrew Luck, and when he retired uh, from his injuries, I mean, he did get support for his decision, probably more support than he would have gotten a decade ago, but still, I mean, the fans booed him for coming off the field in preseason. Like, that happened. And I, I just feel like I'll, I'll, I'll say this 
I played in Indianapolis. I think the character of the fans there is different than what was represented by them booing. But like they were out of pocket booing like that. I think some of the responses were, you know, people are he's soft and all oh, this, that and the third. And you're going to throw away that much money. And, you know, you should be in the prime of your career. And it's like, OK, so y'all are going to sit here. And you're going to blame him for every injury that he had, the lacerated kidney, the ankle calf thing, he had concussion, so many things you could point to that are reasons why he sustained those injuries. The O-line that he had was absolutely trash. It was 100% trash. And then you could probably say that he fell victim to the uh, the tough guy mentality because he was probably one of the only quarterbacks in the NFL that was uh, – subjecting himself to some of the hits that he took and he would get up after every single one unless there was something like really wrong with him um and so i just i think the mentality has to shift as a whole And, and most people did a great job with it but anybody that would say that he was soft is out of their damn mind because there are very few people who could experience that type of trauma and physical pain and then try to respond and rebound the way that he had throughout his career uh, most of the people calling him soft would probably get a paper cut or a hangnail and be over there <laughs> pissing and moaning and crying. So um, it's just it's super strange to me how people that have that they don't belong in a certain space still find their way into that space. One point that I th- I think is really interesting is the amount of conditioning that we emphasize, like uh, specifically on teaching student athletes to work through pain and to put their pain aside for the sake of the sport. And that in order to excel at any given sport, you needed to work through a lot of pain. That's sort of like the name of the game. And this feels like what your decision, the, your decision kind of worked against that. Like there, there feels like there's a gap between like how you felt your entire career, getting up after concussions, going to the sideline, taking that sip of water, to now deciding, okay, my health actually is more important than this game. Who cares about touchdowns? My brain is more important. How does one person go from from that first stage to the next? Yeah, it's interesting because they preach that no pain, no gain thing from really the first time you start working out. Um, I think, for me at least, concussion-wise, it was different than you know a bone injury or soft tissue injury. I think concussion wise, you I feel like the risks are more known for other injuries. Like I've I've got a shoulder injury I talked about earlier, but um, you know, I it's gonna be arthritic. I've got uh my right hand is already arthritic, um, just from injuries I sustained. I knew that was gonna happen. That was like a truly known risk, but there is so much research still to be done over concussions that it's hard to evaluate. Like when you make these types of decisions, you evaluate your current state, what you're going to be like when you get back in the game, and then what is going to be the long-term consequence or repercussion for your decision. And the it was easy to say, okay, right now I feel awful. Uh, two weeks from now I'm going to feel just like my old self. But then when you say down the line how am I going to feel, and you're like, uh, don't know. Yeah. And I feel like that's the – how it was easy for me to go against the grain of this no pain, no gain. It's like, yeah, I get that. But this, when I'm right, my arthritis, for example, that's pain. I can deal with the amount of physical pain that comes with it. But 
can I deal with uh, memory loss? Can I deal with depression? Can I deal with um, bouts of, of rage and anger? Um, you know, can I deal with like being in the middle of a sentence and then completely losing my train of thought? It's absolutely not. I just can't do that. So um, I but, think but that's how did where, you do that, though? How did you overcome that bias? I, it just to me, I felt like I felt f- two things that number one, that my long term health was more important than playing a game that I loved. And that was a really hard decision. But the other thing, and I think this is where a lot of guys lack, and this is a completely different conversation. We could probably have another day, but, you know, guys can't walk away from the paycheck. That's part of the issue in the NFL is guys just can't walk away from the money. I could walk away from it because I I feel like I can make a lot of money doing other things. Um, And until we put the pressure on institutions until we put the pressure on athletes in general to do better for themselves academically and to plan for careers outside of their uh, professional sport that they think they're going to excel at. You know, I didn't anticipate my career was only going to be two years. I thought I was going to be a six to eight year guy in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, but I was prepared to make a transition. Guys aren't ready to do that. And that is a huge disservice to them because then they end up pushing through injuries they shouldn't push through. And then, you know, you look down the line 40 years and these guys are a shell of themselves and they look beat up and they look battered and, you know, they're, they just can't help themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But not even like just in football, you, you find guys who hurt themselves and deny it and don't want to acknowledge how their bodies are, are hurt just because they, they feel like they, as a man have to, like I've done that. I recently broke my arm, uh, for, because I was skateboarding and I just carried on doing the thing that I had to do because a part of me felt like that's just what men do. You have to just work through it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too. Like, uh, you know, you get some of these old school blue collar guys, and they're the same way. It's like, you know, my chest hurts, but I'm not going to go to the doctor. Like, exactly, you know, I've had chest exactly. pain before. I'll take an ibuprofen. And then next thing you know, somebody's got lung cancer, or you know, this chest pain is not a big deal. And next thing you know, they're suffering a heart attack. Right. Um, and those like not to be dramatic, but those are the type of things that literally kill people is like, I'm tough enough. I'm macho. I don't need to see a doctor. It's like, well, yeah, you're not going to see a doctor. You're going to see a mortician because you'll be dead. Right. Do you still watch football on, uh, what do you do on Sundays? That's my whole job now. Saturdays, Sundays. I, um, I'm on a local radio station in Columbus, Ohio. I cover NFL football on Tuesday nights. I cover college football Wednesday nights. And then I work with Big Ten Network on Fridays and Saturdays. So I cover college football throughout the Big Ten. That's interesting, though, that you're, you're still watching football. But, I mean, you still probably see people hitting each other really hard. Like the way you oh, described yeah. it, 300-pound guy running 15 miles an hour. I mean, if I were you, I'd be cringing. I don't don't know if I'd be able to watch that. The shame of it all is I enjoy it. It's it's so crazy. And I was able to remove myself from that environment. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a certain reason we watch football. And everybody, regardless, if you're a football fan... You enjoy the big hits. And so I I sit there, I consume them, I don't cringe. And the reason, I'll tell you the reason I don't cringe is because it's a known risk. And my story was on the Today Show. Andrew Luck's story's been all over every daggone media outlet. Uh, Guys know the risk, and they know they can walk away from the game, and they make a decision not to. And it's not an indictment on anybody. And as long as they choose to stay in the game, I'm going to consume and enjoy it uh, from the viewpoint that all these guys are enjoying their experience and that they're willingly there and they're happy about it.
And that's the show. Here at Man Up, we love getting emails and voicemails, and we'd love to hear from you too. Got your own football story? Maybe you hurt yourself and tried to play through it? Leave a message at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can email us at manup at slate.com and let us know if you have any more topics that you'd like us to discuss on the show. If you like this episode, consider supporting the kid and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you'd like to listen. But more importantly, we need you to subscribe. We've got new shows coming out every week, and I'd hate for you to miss one. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. It's produced by Cameron Drews. It's executive produced by Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and June Thomas is a senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Man Up. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.